Amen. Amen. This is going to be interesting for me. I've never worked with one of these headphones, so I'm used to having the, the, the security of a microphone. Anyways, can we say it's good to be in the house of the Lord? Amen? It is good to be in the house of the Lord. You know, the Bible says that one day in his gates are better than a thousand elsewhere. And, and I would like for you to just look at your neighbor this morning and tell him, let's be interactive. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. Tell your neighbor. Amen. That's right. It sure is. It sure is. Amen. When I was praying and preparing this message, I, I was praying to the Lord. I was like, Lord, what is it that you want me to speak? What, what would you like me to touch on? And the Lord gave me a, a message, and he was stirring up within my spirit that it's a message not just for Lincoln City Church. It's a message not just for the American church, so to speak. But it's, it's, a, it's a message that I believe applies to the church as the body, the body of Christ, the church, us. And the, the, the message is in its simplicity is that a lot of times we as the church tend to disqualify ourselves. We tend to discredit ourselves. How many of you have ever been there? Have you ever disqualified yourself from doing, thank you, I thank one person there for being honest. How many of us have dis- disqualified ourselves? Anybody? You know, I, 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 my times throughout my life, I have many times disqualified or discredited myself thinking that I'm not maybe good enough to serve the Lord that maybe, you know, because of my sinful past, because of the things that I've done in my other life, as I like to call it, BC, before Christ, um, the things that I've done, I many times tend to basically discredit myself and, and ask myself, how can I be used of God? How can God use me? But the scripture shows us many times, and basically this morning what I want to do is I want to give you two simple examples of men who could have disqualified themselves, who could have discredited themselves from being used by the Lord, but God has used them. Um, and I want to use one scripture as my base, which is Ephesians 3.20. If you have your Bible, go there. If it's electronic, turn it on. Let's go to Ephesians 3.20. Let me get an amen when you're there. All right. Still here, pages turning, so I'll give you a couple of seconds more. Ephesians 3.20. Now I'm reading it in the New King James. And it says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us. I want to read it one more time. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Amen. Amen. One of the examples that I want to use this morning is my testimony. I want to share with you guys what I've been through. And again, I I mean, please, I I say it not to toot my own horn or, or not to be like, oh, look at me, you know, look at Chris. No, that's not my intention at all. I learned a long time ago that My testimony, I speak for myself, my testimony is definitely, it's the most powerful tool that I have to be able to testify as to what God has done and understanding that God does not make exceptions of people. You know, he could do the same for absolutely anybody who is willing to be, here I am, Lord. Amen? Amen. So basically, my testimony is the following. I grew up, I see the lights flickering. 
I grew up in a home in which uh, my parents, uh, they belonged to another religion. I don't want to get into names, putting fingers or calling people out. But they belonged to another religion. So I grew up in a very religious household, but I didn't have relationship. We know there's a difference, right? How many know there's a difference between religion and relationship? Amen. Amen. So I grew up in a religious household, but not one with relationship with God. And at the age of 14, I started going into a phase of my life, a very rebellious phase. Anybody been there? I was there. I was there. At the age of 14, I started going through like a really rebellious stage. And I started dibbling and dabbling, doing a lot of things that should not have done. I definitely shouldn't have done it. I started getting into, you know, drinking, drugs, um, delinquency. And I lived for 10 years in that. Uh, I did basically everything under the sun, unfortunately. Um, but even within that, I saw God's hand in my life. For the first five years, I was basically just a disaster. I, I, I was a complete and utter mess. And many times, you know, I would say to myself, okay, Chris, you know, I would look at my friends, see what they're doing, see the trouble that they're getting into, and basically be like, you know, they're getting away with everything. But I was one that I was getting caught in absolutely everything I was doing. And now I look back and I see that being the hand of God over my life. I see that God, even when I was in my mess, God was always watching out for me. At the age of 19, I had my first encounter with the Lord. I had my first face-to-face experience with God. I, I had my first, like, wow moment where the Lord really showed me his face. And I really had an experience with God. But I gave my back to him. I gave my back to him. And I can honestly say that it was at that moment that things started getting tough. Things started getting really, really bad. Um, I started getting in a lot of trouble with the law. I ended up getting arrested, I think, like over 13 times, something like that. Um, Ended up getting kicked out of my parents' home. Lived on the streets for a little while until a buddy took me in. Uh, Lived with him for about a year and a half until I was completely, completely fed up. I was sick and tired. Uh, I've, you know, I basically hit rock bottom, as they say. I, I got to a place where I was sick and tired. I was just, I was done. I was done. I remember one morning, it was like 7 o'clock in the morning on a Sunday. We had been up all night. And I remember sitting in front of my buddy's house, and we were looking out, and there was a family. There was a family. Um, the dad was mowing the lawn. Mom, you could see her going back and forth with her big canister of washed and whatnot, kids riding bike on the street. And I look at my buddy and I was like, man, his name's Al. I was like, Al, that's what I want. You know, like what we're doing, that's not life. That's not like what life is supposed to be about. I want that. And um, things started happening. Ended up making the best decision that I made in my life, which was going to a ministry called Youth Challenge International. It's a Christ-centered, faith-based residential rehabilitation program for men with problems with drug addiction, alcoholism, and delinquency. And it was up in Hartford, Connecticut. At this time, I was in Miami, Florida. So I decided to go from Miami all the way to Hartford to change. I wanted to change. The program is a year and a half. At the time, in my mind, I was like, all right, I'll be there for six months. How many know God has a way of working with us, you know? Amen? Amen? Haven't left yet. Um, basic, what's going on here? I think it's the antenna in my pocket. Let's try something else. Hold on. See if that works. Okay. So basically... Um, you know, I went up to the ministry. I ended up finishing. I was there for 18 months. Uh, at the time, basically when I was going to my transition, at about nine months in, the Lord put me in charge of an area called promotions. 
Promotions, what it is, is we would basically go to stores, like here you have Hy-Vee over there, there's stopping shops. Um, we would go to like super Walmarts, for example, set up little tables in front, and we would sell Christian t-shirts, and we would ask for donations, basically, to help ministries. And the Lord used us. The Lord used us tremendously in that ministry. I can honestly say that being in charge of that, thousands of dollars went through my hands, and I, I, I never touched a dime, nothing ever went missing, which how many know for an ex-drug addict, alcoholic, that's a pretty big thing, yes? Yeah, amen, amen. It was, it was a pretty big deal. Um, but God was good, God was good. When I finished my program, uh, the late Bishop Raul Gonzalez came up to me and he proposed something to me. He was like, Chris, what have you thought of international missions? I was like, well, Bishop, you know, I was a 26-year-old kid at the time. I was like, Bishop, really, I got plans. I got things I want to do. I want to go back to Miami. I want to finish my schooling. I want to do this. I want to do that. And he looked at me with this face that he would always give, face full of love. And he was like, Chris, the plans, what you want to do, those are good plans. They're good plans. But, but, how about this? How about you come to Guatemala with us, you come on our missions trip, and you see what happens. See if God touches you. I was like, all right, anybody ever done something out of sheer obedience, not wanting to do it, but because they ask you to, you do it? Anybody? Oh, thank God. All right, great. I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad. Well, that's exactly what happened to me. Out of sheer obedience, I was like, all right. I'll do it. Let's do this. So basically, I started raising funds. I was in a program. Remember, I didn't have a penny to my name. Started sending out letters. Started writing to friends, to families, to businesses. In about a month, I was able to raise $2,300, which is, I considered it a miracle. I thought that that was a miracle. I needed 2000 to go on the trip. I raised 2300 Got 300 extra dollars. Donations, give a little bit here, give a little bit there, be able to buy some food when we were there. God was good. At that time, another miracle that happened, I was still negotiating with God, remember? But God also, um, at that time, basically passports were taking like six months to get because there was a change in the law at the time, and passports were taking like six months for us to get. I got mine in five days. Five days I got my passport. Still negotiating with God, ended up going, ended up going to Guatemala, and I remember, again, remember, I was a 26-year-old kid. I was one that I had been disqualifying myself. And I remember sitting in my hotel one Friday morning, Friday night, I'm sorry. It was Friday night, and I was ironing my shirt because I was getting ready to go to a service. And I remember thinking I was too young. I remember thinking I was not able to do what God wanted me to do. I remember coming up with a thousand reasons. You know, Chris, you didn't finish your bachelor's. You didn't do this. You haven't done that. You're only 26. You're a kid. You just went through a program. I remember thinking all of these things. And as I was ironing my shirt, God spoke to me. And he told me the following. He said, Chris, I don't send. How was it? Because I always say it in Spanish. Yo no envío el capacitado, sino capacito el enviado. I don't call the equipped, but I equip. The called. Amen? Amen? And when he told me that, I understood what he was saying. I understood what God was telling me. And what God was telling me was that he'd be with me. He would be with me. He would go with me on this trip. You know, I I don't like to compare, but I do at times. And it's like, I felt kind of like Moses at that time, you know, where I was like, Lord, if you're going to go with me, I'll go. But if you're not going to be with me, please don't send me. And the Lord, you know, he said, I'll be with you. And I can honestly say I was there 
originally for a two-year commitment, ended up staying there seven and a half years. While I was there, I saw many lives restored because I went to start up a program. There was nothing. Uh, I ended up leaving a nice ministry there where we were helping guys with the same problem that I had, drug addiction and alcoholism. And I can say that I, I seen men's lives restored. I seen men that when they went into the program, they were strung out on drugs. They were, I mean, just the family's disgrace because they were really strung out on alcohol. I saw men that had burned bridges for so many years that, you know, when they first come into the ministry, their wives, their kids, their family wants absolutely nothing to do with them. But after being there, you know, four months, six months, eight months, ten months, 12 months, which is what the program was, you would start seeing their family start warming up to them. After like eight months, I have this image burned in my mind of this guy, this dad that would come. His name was Edgar. He came to the ministry, strung out on alcohol, family's disgrace. He would, you know, lie drunk everywhere. He was the type that would fall asleep on the street. Um, And I remember after like six, seven months of him being in the program, one day I went on a Saturday during visits and I opened up the door and it was his wife. And his two kids. And all of a sudden, you see the little one who was like probably like four or three at the time. Just daddy, daddy, and just run to him. And like just jump on him. It was, it was, it was a beautiful sight. It, it was truly, it was something great. Why am I saying this? I've seen God restore lives. I've seen God restore lives. Again, when I was in Guatemala, I met my beautiful wife uh, who is pregnant right now. We just went on Tuesday. Let me take a brief parenthesis. Let's give it up. Let's give it up. Amen. Let me take a, a brief parenthesis to just say, on Tuesday we went to the gynecologist and we found out what it is. It's a boy. It's a, yeah. Oh, we're so excited. We are so excited. So that's a great thing. Anyways, let me get back to what I was saying. Um, <laughs> I was so excited. Um, yeah, so, so God was good. God has been good. God has continued to be good. And then all of y'all know the story of how I got here. I briefly explained it, uh, two or three Sundays ago. But basically, you know, one of the jobs that I would do in Guatemala was a lot of interpreting. Spanish, English interpreting. And, uh, with my church, which is a very big church, you're gonna meet my pastor next, next Sunday, I believe. Um, he's gonna be here. Anyways, uh, when I would do a lot of interpreting, and the situation is, all of a sudden, he comes up to me, and he's like, Chris, there's going to be a group of pastors that you're going to need to interpret for in the future, in a couple of weeks, and I want you to be prepared. I'm like, why is that? And he's like, because they're coming looking for a couple. I'm like, okay, a couple? He's like, yeah, they're coming looking for a couple to go move to Lincoln, Nebraska, and to start up a church in Crete. I'm like, okay, um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, it was, it was, it was a shock to say the least. It was a shock. I was comfortable. I was comfortable. Ministry was doing good. You know, I had just started financially. We were starting to do well with interpreting and whatnot. You know, we had our church. We were very involved. My wife and I were on the executive board of the youth group. Um, it, it was just, it, we were comfortable. So it was definitely a shakeup, you know. I'm usually the cool, calm, and collected one, and my wife's the one who tends to freak out. Um, but on this occasion, it was the opposite, which I kind of saw it like, okay, this, this, this could be from God, I said, because um, I was freaking out and my wife was keeping me calm. So pastor was like, Chris, go home, pray, come let me know what you think. So we went home, we prayed, this and that. We ended up meeting Pastor Solo. We met Pastor Jerry. And uh, that night, Pastor Hector asks my wife and I, so Chris, what have you thought? You're like, you know, we, we've prayed and we believe it's, it's from God. We believe it's from God. We believe it's from God. 
<laughs> Amen. Amen. So, um, so here we are. Here we are. And I know I'm long-winded. I say all of that to show that from a kid who from the age of 14 years old to the age of 24 was strung out on drugs, was strung out on alcohol, got involved in, you know, criminal activities, did this, did that. God restores. Our God is a God of restoration. Amen? Amen? Our God is a God of restoration. Many times we disqualify ourselves from doing God's will. We disqualify ourselves from doing what God wants to do. When God has already redeemed us, the redeeming act has already been done. We have been redeemed by the Savior. So who are we to disqualify ourselves when God has already qualified us? Amen? Amen. We have been already qualified for, by the Lord. What he's looking for is for us to have a willingness to be like, Lord, here I am. Send me. I'll go. I'll do this for you. He just needs willingness on our behalf because we have been qualified by the Redeemer. When he died on that cross and said, it is finished, it was finished. You know, we've been qualified. So that really, really encouraged me. And it should encourage you as well, church, because our God is a redeeming God who qualifies his children. No longer should we say, I cannot do this. I cannot do that. Because if God has called you, he will equip you. Amen. 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 You know, and now I want to switch up gears a little bit and briefly speak about one of my heroes in the Bible. One of the people within the Bible that I consider probably like, like one of the, 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 the coolest stories, the, the, the greatest people, one of the individuals that I believe did some of the greatest works within the Bible. And I mentioned him a little bit earlier. Moses. Anybody know the story of Moses? Yeah. We all know the story of Moses. So please help me as I continue to tell it. Because um, there's certain points that I want to just kind of highlight so we could see that Moses could have easily disqualified himself. Moses could have been somebody that could have easily said, no, I cannot do that. And on a couple of occasions he did, but God, but God, but God provided a way. Amen? And let's take it from the top. Moses died in a time of what? Persecution. Moses from the beginning should have been killed. He should have died. From the get-go. But his mom. His mom. Thank God for godly women, right? Amen. Amen. I, I thank God for my mom all the time. All the time. And um, in this case, Moses had a great mom. Smart mom. What'd she do? She put him in a basket and sent him down the river. When I start to think about that, I think about, wow. How many times in my life has the river of life wanted to trap me? How many times has the currents wanted to wash me abroad. How many times have I almost drowned in the rivers of life? But God is a God of mercy. And somehow he's always provided a basket for me to float down the river in. He's always provided a basket for me to float down the river in. So I am truly thankful for God and his mercy and just taking care of me. You know, and then the interesting thing is that when he does float down the river in the basket, then a little bit further down, who finds him? Pharaoh's daughter. And Pharaoh's daughter tells one of her slaves, go and find a woman to care for this baby. Who does she find but Moses' mom? 
So, that, I mean, isn't that awesome? She goes and she gets Moses' mom to breastfeed him, to raise him, which she ends up raising him in the ways of the Israelites, you know, ends up raising him in that way. And not only raises him, but gets paid for it. The Bible specifically says that she gets paid for raising her own son. Isn't that awesome? I mean, I know motherhood is probably one of the most difficult jobs that exist. This woman even gets paid for it. God is a God of provision. Amen? So then we start seeing the story of Moses. We start seeing the way that he grows up again. His mother instructs him in the ways of the Jewish people, and the ways of the Israelites. He gets a little bit older. He starts walking around, and the Bible says to go see his brethren, to go see how the other Israelites are doing. He sees that an Egyptian is treating badly one of his brothers, so he ends up hitting him, killing the Egyptian, and freaking out. He starts freaking out, and he decides to run. He runs to Midian. He's in the desert, and he has an encounter with God. That also kind of like sends up red flags for me, because I know that me, Chris Allende, when I have been in my desert experiences, when I have been in my times that I am just in the wasteland, not knowing what to do, many times it's been at those moments that I hear God's voice, you know? And in this instance, we see that God speaks to Moses through a supernatural event. He speaks to Moses through a burning bush experience. That's amazing. But how many know that God also speaks through silent whispers? We see it when he talks to one of the prophets. In a silent whisper, the Lord speaks to the prophet. I'm here to remind us, because many times we get caught up and we say, oh, you know, I'm looking for that burning bush experience. I want to put that mantle out. And if it's covered with dew, then it's from God. If it's not, then it's not. I want to hear the audible voice of God. I'm here to remind us that it doesn't really matter if God speaks to you through the supernatural, which is great. Or if he speaks to us through that silent whisper. The important thing is that God speaks. Amen? That's what's important. God speaks to us. He speaks to his children. And in this case, he spoke to Moses through the burning bush experience. And it was something for him that was amazing. But how many know that Moses still doubted? Moses still doubted. And I want to read quickly Exodus 3, 10 through 12. You don't have to go there. Just jot it down when you get home, read it. It's Exodus 3, 10 through 12. And it says the following. Come now, therefore... And I will send you to Pharaoh that you might bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He was doubting himself. Moses was doubting himself. He'd seen God move. He'd seen God speak to him. Looking back, you know, they say hindsight is twenty twenty. But looking back, and we look, I look and see, like, he was the perfect guy to go speak to Pharaoh. He was the perfect person. He was raised as the Pharaoh's uh, grandson. You know, he grew up in the Pharaoh's palace. He knew the Pharaoh. I'm sure how many times he probably went up to him running, hey, grandpa, grandpa. You know, he knew the Pharaoh. I believe he was the perfect person, and history demonstrates that he was. But it's funny because in 11, Moses says to God, to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. So he said, I will certainly be with you. Isn't that comforting? When God himself, God himself says, I will certainly be with you. 
And this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. You know, Moses, he had legitimate worries. He had legitimate issues. If we continue to read, we learn that he had the, he stuttered. So he wasn't good at like presentations or public speaking as we would now call it. Not just that, he was a murderer. He had issues. This guy was a guy who had a past. He had a past. But God uses our past. You know, God uses absolutely everything that we have gone through for his name, for his glory, and to bless him. You know, it, I, I, it's amazing. I always, in my mind, think, like, you know, when I clean my house and whatnot, when my wife cleans my house, what are we cleaning? We're trying to get, <laughs> you know, we both do it. Um, <laughs> we clean the house. And, you know, you get the dirt out, you get the dust out. And then I think, what were we formed out of? From the dust of the earth. So that very same thing that we're trying to clean our house of, rid our, rid our living space of, is the very same thing that we were formed out of. You know, and that to me, it just impacts me. God wants to use each and every one of us. God wants to use your past. You know, God wants to use everything that you've been through for his glory, for his name's sake. You know, I, I, amen, amen. Let's give it up for God. Amen? Amen. And it's something that truly, truly, it just, it impacts me. Because, you know, Chris, a guy growing up in Miami, went through drug addiction, was being able to be used in Guatemala to bring other drug addicts to the feet of the Lord, is now in Lincoln, Nebraska. You don't, you don't know how crazy that is in my mind. It, like, really, is in Lincoln, Nebraska, being able to address you beautiful. I mean, that's just, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. You know, and, and God is good all the time. God is so good. And I would just encourage you this morning to not disqualify yourselves. You have already been redeemed. You have been purchased. You have been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. You have been set apart for his work. You have been set apart for him to do his will, not our will, not my will, but his will. Each and every one of you have something to give. Each and every one of you have something that you can add to the kingdom. Each and every one of you have gifts and abilities, you know? Like so many times again, we end up thinking, man, I can't do this. You know, if God has called you to it, He'll bring you through it, as the saying goes. And that's the reality. I've seen it so, so much in my life. I explained to you a little bit of my story. We see it time after time in the, in the Bible. We see it with so many people, so many individuals that could have easily disqualified themselves, that could have easily said, no, I cannot do this for God. I can't. And imagine if they wouldn't have. The Bible that we read be so much different, you know? But these are all individuals that ended up standing up, ended up arming themselves with the faith of God, you know, with the favor of God, with the power of God, the authority of the Lord, and they ended up going forth and changing the world. Look at the 12 disciples, people that were fishermen, tax collectors, this and that, you know, but with the power of Jesus Christ, were able to go and change the world. They were able to go. I thought there was one there. They were able to go. They were able to go forth and really make a difference in the world as they knew it. And each and every one of us have that capacity, you know. As children of God, we have been qualified, we have been redeemed, we have been instructed, we have been enabled, and we are being sent 
to go to the world and change the world as we know it. Amen? Do not disqualify yourselves because you, you just simply can't. If you've been qualified by God, then you cannot disqualify yourself because he who is greater is in us than he who is in the world. And you have been qualified by God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Now I'm going to ask that... Um, Let's stand up for a second. Let's stand up. You know, in this moment, maybe there's some of you here. There might be some in the congregation, might be some within the masses that have said, Chris, I hear what you're saying. I hear you. But I don't know this Jesus that you're talking about. I don't know this Jesus that you're saying has qualified. I want to let you know this morning that the Jesus who qualified me, the Jesus who has qualified us in this place that are children of God is here for you this morning. He's here for you. He's here for you. You know, Jesus, when he died on the cross, he did it for me, and he did it for each and every one of you. So if there's somebody in the congregation, if there's somebody in this crowd today that does not know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior, and this morning would like to meet him, I would say just raise your hand right there where you're at. Raise your hand. If there's anybody, absolutely anybody in this place that does not know the Lord and wants to get to know him this morning, we want to help you. We want to help you make the best decision you can make in your life. We want to help you. Raise your hand right there and somebody will be able to draw near to you and will be able to explain to you a little bit more and give you a little bit of guidance of how you can get involved. Come be a disciple of Jesus this morning. Anybody that wants to become a disciple of Jesus this morning, you know, I ask it nicely. I ask it like, please step forth and become, or please raise your hand. But the Lord is speaking to you, to the, to you this morning, and he's saying, be my disciple. Come follow me. Come follow me. So I give you the opportunity this morning to raise your hand, take that step of faith, and be a disciple of Jesus this morning. Amen? Amen. Now I also want to give an opportunity to the rest of the congregation. Because, like me, I'm sure there's many of you who have one time or another, or maybe right now, are still disqualifying yourselves, are still saying, who am I to be used of by God? Who am I that God should take into me into account? You know, I struggled with that for a long time. I struggled with it. Let me be honest. Because I looked back on my past and I said, I've got nothing to offer. I looked at my present and I say, who am I? Maybe even my future is bleak. But God, but God, he has redeemed you. He has purchased you. He has bought you. You are his. Your past no longer belongs to you. It doesn't belong to you. Neither does your future. It belongs to God because you have been purchased by him. So whenever the devil comes telling you, but your past, speak to my Lord. Because you're his. You've been purchased. You have been bought. The devil starts coming to say, but look at your future. Speak to my Lord. My future's his. It's not mine. Amen? So if there's anybody in this place, I say we pray. Let's pray this morning. Let's pray and ask the Lord to strengthen us that we might really just be able to rest in the Lord, understanding that He is 
our refuge. He is our strong tower. Amen? Father, we thank you this morning. We thank you for your redeeming blood. And I'm going to ask you to start speaking up. Come on. Don't be ashamed. Don't be embarrassed. Speak up. Pray in your own words. Father, we thank you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for the redeeming work that you did on the cross. And we thank you because when you purchased us, you qualified us. And we are now your children. And there's no devil in hell that can fight against the fact that I am your child. So I thank you, Lord. I pray that you bless me. I pray that you bless us. And I pray that you help us to go forth in your will at all times. Thank you, Jesus, for being a wonderful and awesome Savior. Amen.